Welcome to the Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. In this special episode, I'm picking up my conversation with two of retail's brightest thinkers, live from the virtual stage of the Retail Council of Canada's Retail Marketing Forum in late October. It was my pleasure to welcome Jeff Tate, Chief Innovation Officer at Henry's, and Ian Rosen, Executive Vice President Strategy and Direct with Harry Rosen. We delve into the dynamics of managing and building a high-performance team through the COVID era and how to bring the values of DEI to life inside each and every retail organization. Let's listen in now. I'd like to welcome Jeff Tate with Henry's and Ian Rosen with Harry Rosen to join me on the virtual stage. Now, this session will expand your mind about key players needed on the team, how DEI values are included in the team building process, and how the added value experience that marketers uh, can bring in building diverse thinking teams across the organization. So, Ian, Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, all right. So you're both with very well-known brands, and people can read up on you on LinkedIn if they haven't already. And you, you know, probably know lots of folks in the audience. So I'm going to ask you both the same question, uh, something a little fun. And I'm going to start, uh, Jeff, with you. Tell me something about Henry's that would surprise us. My thing in business, 100 years, you know, uh, which is interesting. So that idea of constant innovation and pivoting, we've ended up becoming this creative place to go. Um, but I always find the interesting, most interesting fact is there is no Henry. There is no Henry in the business. Um, Harry was the one that started the business and he didn't like the way it sounded. So he picked the name Henry because he thought people would like that more. And I think that's a really interesting fact. Well, Ian, I have to say your grandfather named it well. Uh, that's a funny thing. Tell me something about Harry Rosen people might not know. There, there is a Harry. He's in the office next to me at the moment, actually. So uh, something that might surprise people, I think building off of the presentation we all just watched, um, outside of our stores, about 10 to 15% of the store's business every day is done outside of it. Uh, that's with our clothing advisors and stylists going to customers' houses. That's with that uh, client actually, you know, doing office visits or selling virtually, selling over FaceTime, curating our website. So I think uh, that last presentation brought up a lot of great points. And, um, you know, a physical space doesn't have to be four walls. It can be, you know, a team and a business. And I think that's what we'll talk about today. Now, Ian, is that something new in the business? Uh, I, 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 I mean, I've been shopping at Harry Rosen since I was, you know, in university going to my first job interview. And, and it's always been the case that there's always been really great sales reps and, and people there helping me. Is, is it new that they're doing this outside of the four walls or is that something that's just always been part of the DNA? It's something that we've been training and standardizing. So I think we've amped it up. Obviously, COVID was a great acceleration of a lot of those behaviors and clients' willingness and wantingness to try new things. Um, we always had a vision when it comes to the term digital of bringing the experience that we were doing such a great job of in store to the online world. So we just had to train our people to bring that personalized feel touch uh, to digital outreach, which is something that we work on every single week, exercises, um, scenarios, ways of inspiring the client. How are you going to catch them with something that, you know, stops them in their tracks and lets you know you're 
you know, reaching out to them and yeah. thinking about them specifically. So uh, no, no, it's it's an evolution of old habits or, or and old capabilities. Yeah, it's a topic beyond the scope for today. It's a whole other topic around, you know, it's a very different set of muscle memory to do it in a Facebook Live than it is in person, right? So it's a great it's a great rabbit hole to go down, but I'm going to pull us back out of that rabbit hole. All right. we're, we're here to talk about people, and I'm going to throw the first question to you. Um, let's start with hiring in the marketing function, e-commerce marketing together in the COVID, not quite post-COVID environment. I imagine, you know, not all of your team or many of your team wasn't working in the offices and in, in the head office, which brings up a hybrid discussion. And then that naturally takes me um, to how your perspective is on hiring in terms of looking for candidates uh, who are not physically located where the Harry Rosen head office is. How are you at Harry Rosen thinking about that? And how are you thinking about that? I, uh, after you sent along these questions, I actually just got off of a conference call with somebody in Lagos, Nigeria, that's on our team as well at who, who's on vacation, but visiting home for personal reasons uh, and wanted to make sure he could stay productive as well as a new hire we have in uh, Kelowna, BC, who I've never met in person and only met virtually. So I thought that was a great uh, way of articulating based on the role and based on what people are doing every day, we have ways for them to be productive. Obviously we operate stores and we um, don't have robots, robots uh, pick packing and shipping our e-commerce yet. So we do need people to do that. So each and every role has a kind of new component or new element to it where productivity can be done outside of the, you know, planting your feet on the floor, but we do have, uh, you know, a way of thinking at it, about it function by function, role by role. We just want people to be productive and predictable are the two key tenets we work on. So let's not hide where we are. If you're working from home, share that you're working from home and make sure you're productive. Jeff, let's pick up on that thread. Um, has there been a cultural shift at at Henry's as well. And, and how are you thinking about culture? Ian's talking about productivity. I think if you had to look back over the past 18 months, when I talk to executives, they all agree it's about like an eight out of 10 in terms of productivity. We all start to turn our minds now to culture, cohesion. Are people leaving because they're not, you know, aligned somehow to the, to the culture? How are you thinking about whether it's bringing new hires or the existing team along with the vision? How, how are you balancing the that you know the culture of the business and marketing and innovation agenda well there definitely has been a shift i mean if anything it's taught all of our businesses that we can be productive and work remotely when there's something that uh, keeps us out of the office or you know there's mm -hmm. other circumstances like a pandemic that's happened um so that was something that it, it kind of forced all of our companies into and forced henry's into as well Having the right tools and technology is there and available to us. So that's the great thing. Using Microsoft Teams, Zoom allows us to stay connected. Yeah. But what an important piece of all of this is for us is keeping the communication clear and keeping the communication across the right team mm -hmm. members because there is no longer a drive-by conversation that's happening in the office. There is right. no you know, sharing information between a group of desks. That doesn't exist anymore. So people can be left out if you're not careful in how you communicate and be very purposeful in the meetings that you bring the team together. The other piece to that as well is how do you keep team members working and knowing each other and interacting when they don't necessarily work together on the same project? Because when you're in your office mm -hmm. and you're only doing work things related to your projects that you're on, you could not talk, have to the, talk to the other half of your marketing team. 
So being really purposeful and creating, you know, trying to create events and think about what that hybrid environment is going to look like going forward is extremely important. And uh, I think we've been pretty successful, but there's more work we're doing in the background because we know that this hybrid office environment is something that's going to stay. Employees like it. They like to have the flexibility. And uh, how do we keep, you know, that culture continuing and continuing to grow? And to Ian's point, some team members, you know, on my innovation team, they live in Europe. So it's not like they pop into the office every once in a while. So how do we keep our conversations going and our team working? I think it's about being really purposeful and really clear on how we can include people and keep them in the loop. Now, now speaking specifically of some of your team being in Europe or wherever, is that something that would have happened pre-COVID? Is this, is this something that's, that's so new? Or- that, team, that team was pre-COVID because we were looking for very specific talent and very specific skill sets. Um, however, in our core business, we also have had team members that during COVID have moved and they're in a totally different province now, um, you know, and they're still working just as effectively and interacting with the teams at the same level. So I think it's a combination of both um, and being able to successfully do it is something that I think we've done well to this point, but we're not stopping there. We're, we're, there's a lot of good conversations happening at the exec level of how we continue that culture build. Ian, I was reading a, a two interesting um marketing journal kind of academic research reports. And one was basically the conclusion, if I can paraphrase, that there's not actually a lot of evidence, evidence that's not anecdotal, that the kind of drive by, tap on the shoulder, working together creates a lot of innovation in marketing. It actually has been lately just the opposite. Everybody puts their headphones on and they're actually talking to somebody next to them in Slack. So they could be in Nigeria, they could be in Europe. There's other research that talks about though that is starting to prove a bit of a less less cohesion like people being disparate have less cohesion to the business i mean you know if you've hired somebody they don't they, they're not in front of you so there's two dynamics going on at the same time so picking up on these threads you know you've got your hands on a fast moving business uh you know e-commerce is is you know some of the terms i don't even get anymore if you're out of the business for six months hands on you're talking about things like headless commerce and different things and different media types um as you see these changes, how do you keep the team skills fresh and the enthusiasm for the mission on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis? How do you how do you keep that alignment? I think the you know we are a product-driven company. Uh, Harry was product-oriented, and he believed if you bring great product into the market, clients are going to resonate. Yeah, uh, a great Eton shirt, perhaps, or or uh, you know we scoured the world and we work with you know, great vendors to curate an assortment that we think clients will be excited about. And we have to get our team excited about product, no matter if they can't see it physically, no matter if, you know, we're doing buying appointments virtually. Um, you know, I commend our buying team for curating an assortment without physically having all the product in front of them. It's been a, a great feat, but we want, we keep rallying people around the idea of everything that we're doing is trying to emphasize and champion the product and the experience and the, you know, what we're trying to accomplish for our clients more and more and emphasizing how the work that they're doing is contributing to that end. And I think that has to be the key motivating factor for each and every one of our team, or I guess, uh, you know, that that's one of our core values. And we find that the, the more, uh, I don't know what the, the more not aligned you are with those core mm-hmm. values, the less successful you're going to be. Uh, at Harry Rosen. So we, we keep bringing people back to product and customer and, and getting them enthusiastic about this. And as roles change, as responsibilities, you know, grow, 
um, it might get more and more opaque and the more removed you come, it might become more, you might become more and more distant. So we've had to force a number of ways of getting people back in tune with product. Maybe that's participating in, you know, the, how the buying team curated this thing and connecting everybody with the buyers and saying, tell me the story about this brand. Um, technology makes that a lot easier than the office actually. Mm. Now, conversely though, I'd imagine you would in the before time um, perhaps walk around, tap somebody in the shoulder and say, hey, that was a great job you did on that thing. You know, not a, a big bring everybody together, but just kind of tap on the shoulder and go, hey, that was great. Um, that's a little harder these days. Are you doing anything to, to kind of replicate or kind of be that same kind of leader that you that you were in the before time? Yeah, we we we've tried to set a target for each one of our leaders to make sure they're carving out an amount of time to recognize and acknowledge contribution, slow things down so people can know that they're on the right track. And that's something that our people pretty early on in the pandemic were emphasizing through our surveys and pulse surveys that, Hey, I need more guidance. Like, am I doing the right thing right now? It's not clear if this is the right focus that I might have. So we've been really focused on coaching our leaders to be, a lot more communicative and, and slow things down and remind people, hey, thank you for your overnight or getting this database set up to, you know, make sure that we could hit this launch date, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Jeff, I want to pick up on that that theme a little bit in terms of leadership and, and motivating people. Like when you when you think about that in your team, you're already were accustomed to having uh, people from your team uh, distant. Uh, what, what was your approach to that? How did you reward these small, you know, the small rewards that can kind of be meaningful, kind of perk you up like a bit of an espresso in the afternoon. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, I think it's, it's, you know, making sure that we're recognizing the contributions as mentioned, um, understanding what their contribution uh, actually feeds into the bigger machine and how that we're winning as a collective group. I think that's a big win as well. And uh, making sure we just take the time to step back and recognize the good points, because during this environment where we're working virtually or mostly virtually, um, you get really focused on what to do and where you're going and not stopping to take a look back mm-hmm. on what you've accomplished. I think that's extremely important as well to stop and take a look as a team and go, oh, my gosh, we've been heads down working, meeting to meeting. Yeah. You know, me- you know how the Zoom meeting is goes back to back. There's no walking to meeting rooms. And, oh, my gosh, look at what we accomplished. And I think that's extremely important to actually stop and smell the roses. Uh, yeah. It's tr- super important across these teams. You know, in, in different ways, both your business has gone through, you know, such a time over the COVID era. It, you know, one thing that's common to both is that there is a mission. And I think this, you know, when I talk to leaders, it's this, we all had one mission, which is kind of actually rare when you think about our careers. Everybody you know, let's get through COVID. Let's keep our people safe. Let's keep our customers. Let's get through it in whatever ways we have to. You know, Ian, in your case, unfortunately, the stores were closed. How do we get through it? How do we grow e-commerce? And 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 uh, Jeff, for your business, everybody's looking for another webcam. How do we figure that out? As the mission begins to fade, thankfully, um, how do you keep that alignment going, Jeff? I mean, how do you how do you say, listen, that mission was clear, but we now have. Um, you've got a mandate I want to talk to you about a bit later from marketing to innovation. I want to get to get to your transition personally a little bit, but how do you keep that mission going? Listen, we need to drive the business and be aligned. Is, is that something you put some thought into? Is, is, it, is it an opportunity to get people together more often 
at team meetings around the country, perhaps, or you know, more than you used to do before. Any tactics you could you could share with the people? Definitely, yes. Having purposeful meetings where the team comes together at different levels of leadership and different groups, making sure that they all hear what's being done and, and making sure the strategy is aligned. So um, I'll say one big thing that Jillian, our CEO, does is make sure she's very transparent and very open with the strategy and where the business is going. And we make sure that everyone hears this from, it doesn't matter what role you're in, the entire company hears the strategy and why and, and probably more detail than you see in a lot of other companies that I've been part of. And um, it, it's refreshing to be able to have everyone on the same mission because they know what they're contributing to the bigger picture. I think that's extremely important. But having those purposeful meetings and those touch points, I think, uh, is build, I will call my oxen, all the way the, the uh, row in the company. So everyone knows what their top priorities are and what they're looking to accomplish. And then we, at the end of the quarter, sit down and take a look and say, did we accomplish them or did we not? And where are we going? I think keeping that clarity on what's important and what is a secondary uh, initiative is extremely important to success. Ian, I want to uh, change the change tracks up a little bit. Um, and let's talk about DEI initiatives. Uh, I was reading a PWC survey, just came out, it's a great survey on global culture, includes some Canadian data. And it, it basically, there was one chart that kind of grabbed my attention. And it basically asked on a number of different metrics around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the C-level executives, and then the mid-level executives. And the C-level executives gave themselves really high marks. And the mid-level said, yeah, you're, you're not as good as you think you are. It wasn't like a big gap. How do you think about and incorporate and, and work through DEI within your teams and, and as you hire and as you, as you bring your people together? How do you make it live within Harry's? So I, th I think it's an incredibly important topic and one where – uh, at least to you know counter to what the survey said, we said our job as as executives is to give permission and recognize that this is important, and we need to pull together leaders at that next level to actually push us forward because a top down diversity equity and inclusion policy is not really your you know strategy doesn't really catch wind uh, mm -hmm. and, and inspire people to make changes. We've pulled together a lot of people who are extremely enthusiastic on this topic and made sure that they have the right facilitation and, and that there's the right presence in the room for us to have constructive conversations. And they have been chipping away at things that I, I guess one of the rallying cries is like, number one, you got to listen before you react. And number two is we can do better. Like no matter what we want to put out there and, you know, here's how great we are, we can always do better. So we're having that team champion and challenge each one of our policies, the way we hire, the way we measure success in this area, the way that we're, um, you know, as an example, presenting our brand is that reflective of the, you know, customer base. And we're going to hopefully see more and more material changes, both internally and externally uh, for us as a brand. And this is something that we can't, hide from our clients as well. So uh, we're taking it seriously. And it's definitely been, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of how far the team's pushing the thinking and pushing our thinking on the topics. So I like that. Basically, it's kind of a hands up strategy for engagement, right? Who wants to who wants to help who wants to get involved and up from the bottom versus a, an executive level. And, and, and just to but also executive support to right. 
be able to say, hey, it's really important that everybody takes a robust bias training. We all need to be refreshed on what bias and unconscious bias looks like. So we yeah. just rolled that out across the organization. We have a learning management system. We made sure that everybody did it. There was no fake listening and clicking ahead because you had to take surveys with actual relatively difficult questions in it that made sure you paid attention paid to attention. the material. So, and that's something that we as executives need to make a pop. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're going to do this because it's the right thing for us to do to push, uh, I guess the floor up as much as possible. Right on. So, so it's a big component of your job, not just, not just the culture, but it's, it's, it's a big focus for you. It's great to hear. Jeff, I, I want to touch on your career transition just for a minute or two. I mean, you, you, you're a marketer for many years and now you transitioned into innovation. Now, many would say they're, uh, they're one and the same, they're close cousins, but you have a different objective. Any advice uh, that you can give the retail marketers who are listening, who might be themselves saying, you know, I've been a marketer, I'm really, you know, I love it, um, but maybe I should get some different experience and move around in the organization. It, 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 would that be a good thing? Would that be your advice to, to the people? Yeah, I would say, that, you know, the, the journey from, you know, marketing into innovation has been a very interesting, uh, eye-opening one. Lots of learning to be done on the journey, but um, as well as, as you said, they are closely aligned where it all starts and ends with the customer marketing very much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does open up a little bit more of my view. And I'll say to anyone that's thinking about taking a role outside of marketing, because I still consider myself a marketer and I still own the marketing on the innovation side. Um, but I've done two roles in my career. One of them was at Canadian Tire, where I was being internally recruited for two different areas, one within advertising marketing and one in a strategy role. And I ended up going with the strategy role, and it was one of the best decisions that I ever took because it helped open up my view as a retailer and helped round me out, I would say, in terms of my experience and understanding on how I affected other areas of the company and how other areas of the company affected a marketer. And I found that extremely valuable. And then I went back into marketing and pursued it with my career. And now I'm making another jump, which is learning how to innovate and operate more like a startup. And on top of all of that, how do you fail fast and learn fast, uh, not just from marketing perspective, but an entire business perspective. And um, I would say for anyone thinking of making the jump, try it, make the move, uh, make sure it's something that it's that you want to do. Don't just move because it's a move. And also think about how that can impact you and round you out as an experienced retailer. And if you think that is the right move, you can always come back to marketing later on, um, but it could make you a better retailer for it. Ian, I've been very impressed by uh, the, the comprehensive social media, social commerce performance marketing work that you and the team have been doing. Tell me, when you look for people, are you looking for storytellers or are you looking for performance marketers, specialists or generalists? How do you, how do you think about that? I think we're looking for a balance on the team and we want people to know both sides of the equation. So, you know, there, there are tricks to performance marketing that somebody who's been uh, deep in the weeds of performance marketing is going to do better than the next, you know, somebody who's learning it on the fly, but you need to teach them, you know, what story are you telling? What is the data not telling you? What is the Mm -hmm. business that you want to be building? As a good example, your highest performing return on an ad spend campaign out there is always going to be your sale campaign, but you can't always be promoting sale as a retailer. You have to be building, you know, you have to be converting that sale client into that first time regular price purchase or or whatnot. So 
you have to be focused on what your overall storytelling objectives are and be working with the creative team and the marketing brand team for like, hey, what is that story that we want to tell? How might you tell it? And hey, I can actually serve it up in this really elegant way because performance marketing is evolving every single day. So I think that's the way we're looking at it. We've had a good balance on the team. And I think also you have to educate people on what performance marketing is. There's a big knowledge gap. It's kind of, you know, people know that ads are following them around the internet, but they don't know how. Uh, and I think it's something that everybody should invest a little bit of time understanding. So it's, it's almost like a cultural orientation for some rather than a deep skill set. But everybody should have that kind of everything we do should mean something. And yeah. at the end of the day, we're in business as retailers, you know, to build brand, but ultimately uh, to sell amazing product to our great customers, right? New product yeah. or existing. It, it, it's, it's great advice. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to end off with you. Um, speaking of advice, advice to your fellow marketers, CMOs, innovation leaders, top three things that you can think of to help their teams survive and thrive in the, in the marketing world that we, we look ahead to for 2022 and beyond. Well, I'm just going to echo the first one. I'm going to echo what Ian said, which is great, is having that balance of the art and science is extremely important. And you can go down a path too far one to the other. And uh, the best marketing actually balances both well and, and has an understanding of both. So functional marketing and understanding, you know, there's so many different tools and there's so much data and there's so many different ways to talk to the customer. Being able to really step back and, and look at it all from a functional standpoint will benefit uh, the organization well. And that art and science balance is, is everything. Um, the other one I'll say is if you haven't yet started building your own community, and it's not just followers on mm -hmm. social, but building an actual community of people that like and use your product and like what you're putting out and loving your brand, uh, you need to start doing that now. Um, this is the stuff that uh, goes much further than any one paid ad or one sale or one promotion. And uh, they're going to be the best feedback for you in terms of improving and innovating. And then lastly, uh, and it really is that, that balance between my previous roles in marketing to this one is um, be, be comfortable with the test, try, fail approach to things. Set aside a budget and some resources, some time to try some things out on the side, some things that are a little different or wackier and see what happens and be okay to pivot. It might not be 100%. It may not be perfect by the time you put it out there, but just get it out there and see what happens. And by doing that, you're going to uncover and discover a lot of things. One, great insights about the customer, but two, you might stumble upon something that works really, really well that you wouldn't have tried otherwise. Well, Jeff, it's fantastic insights. And I want to thank you and Henry's because your marketing, your content marketing, I love Gadgen. Uh, your guy who does the YouTubes, I'm, my lighting in here is from Henry's, and uh, it's thanks to you that I can put this stuff together, you and Henry's. And Ian, it's thanks to you and Harry Rosen that, uh, you know, hopefully I look okay doing it. So listen, thank you both for your insights and, and for both of you and your teams for the businesses you run and, and for joining us here today at the Retail Marketing Forum. Thank you very much. You. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Voice of Retail. Be sure and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts so you don't miss out on the latest episodes, industry news, and insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating review as it really helps us grow so that we continue to get amazing guests onto the show. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Until next time, stay safe, have a great week.